Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Suzanne Harris, and my listeners get the story behind every book. Joining me today is John Omar Larnell Adams, and he's here to talk about his book, Chain and Other Stories. Welcome, John. How are you? Good morning, Mrs. Harris. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, and really can't wait to talk about your book. Please call me Suzanne. Yes, Suzanne, that's fine. Now let's go back a little bit um, to the beginning. I'm always curious about how writers get started and how they become writers. Usually it's something like as children they were readers and they decided they wanted to try their hand at writing or they did something in school, a teacher or a professor gave them an assignment, and the teacher or the professor saw something in that writing and they encouraged them. Or, you know, sometimes people will have an experience in their life and it affects them either in a really positive or a really negative way. And it causes them to want to share that, and so they become a writer. What's the story behind John Omar Larnell Adams? When did you first start writing, and why? When I was very young, I was two or three, and I was very smart, and I wanted to do something different, and I was always going with my dad because he was, him and my mom were in the United States Navy because we moved from where I was born in Portsmouth, Virginia, and we lived in Norfolk, but we briefly lived in Portsmouth. And when we moved to, I moved to Lexington because my mom wanted me to go because she was going to Greece, to, to Panama, and he was going to Greece and Australia. And I had to stay there with my her parents, my grandparents, and I would visit my other grandparents in Atlanta. My granddad, who was a mixed person, and my grandmother was sort of mixed, and they were um, talked to me. And they had well, my granddad was very strange. He was from Georgia, but he had a Wisconsin accent, which just made me feel strange. But I, my grandmother was from Alabama, and they just all lived in Atlanta because they were from different places. Because my granddad's family were from Newton County in in Georgia. And he was his parents were the Ringling brothers, and um, my family's pretty entertainment wise because every time I go to Ringling brothers, they mention my name and say I'm Hinto and Lily's great uh, great great grandson grandson. You're from an interesting interesting family. Yes, they were they were acrobats and musicians for Ringling brothers. Wow. I'm surprised you haven't written a book about that. That really sounds interesting. I want to. I want to, but it's, it's just hard. I've, I went on Ancestry, and a person from Buffalo who's related to my granddad um, told me more about him. So Now, books always have two stories, and your book yes. is very interesting because it's a series of nine stories. How did Chain and other stories come into being for you? Where did the idea come from? Well, well, there are nine stories that are thrillers, and I wanted to, to write different things to entertain people, but also to, to express something I'd seen when I was younger, talking to people from the Justice Department and the FBI. Because in the, in the first story, Chain, is about John Jefferson and Bergamot Reyes and how they go undercover with Natasha Tierra and Xing Chao. And um, they're the Xing Chao and Natasha Tierra are two New York City detectives in Brooklyn, and they have to investigate guns. And uh, John Jefferson and Bergamot Reyes are two people in the Justice Department that investigate the child negligence department. 
they just investigate whether children are neglected or if they're being used in the wrong way. But anyway, by, by twisted evil people around the country, and they have to they're investigate and then stop them just in case. And they all partner together and go to Anchorage, Alaska, and investigate Abraham Isaacs and figure out if he's the old mogul is using children to make weapons in a warehouse or wherever they're making them. And if he is, to stop him and whoever else is with him. And Gerdil is about a FBI agent in Chicago who's in a domestic terrorism department unit or department, and she has investigated uh, domestic terrorism within Chicago and within the country. And she goes to investigate a bunch of string of people using SARS and anthrax on certain politicians in Chicago, and she has to stop them or she can find them. And the last story, Shadow Blue Magic, is about a person named Dominic Vero, who's a young man in Washington, D.C., and he walks through his town one day, and a man in a limo says, would you like to have a job? And he gives him a card, and he goes to a certain building, and it's called Programmers, Inc. It's usually a computer programming company, but in disguise, it's a contract killing company, and he works for them and has to perform certain tasks to kill people. And um, he leaves one hit alive, and he tries to kill him, and he has to kill that hit the forgot to kill or didn't kill too well but the whole thing of the stories is to show people that things happen in life and you have to have a certain duty and responsibility to complete your job no matter what it is how did you get the inspiration for these they were just about stories i've had with just department people because when i was in 10th grade in waldorf maryland in westlake high school there was a time when our teacher in the English tomb gave us an assignment to complete a, por- complete a por- portfolio about whatever topic we wanted to talk about. That shows criminology, and I ended up talking to someone in the Justice Department. They said they remembered me from when I was little. And they gave me a b- bunch of packets and papers to tell me about criminology and things they do at the Justice Department. And I asked them about 13. Tell me, remember that story about the people you saw when you were younger who were in the child analysis department? I said, yes, I do. I decided when I was 17 to write a book again. When I was three, I wrote a story that became a movie called On the Military Base. Right. And also, and also with Melissa Villasenor, we used, uh, who's on Saturday Night Live, we wrote two books when we were younger. We used aliases. It was called The Time Continuum and The Butterfly Effect. We just used aliases so people would know it was us. And um, those books were very popular in one of them, I think either one or both of them became a movie. I know The Butterfly Effect had Ashton Kutcher in it. I don't know if the time continued made the movie. It could, it could be possible, but maybe it didn't. I don't know. Wow, how interesting. And the thing about these stories is that you do the first three. So you introduce characters in Chain. You introduce char- stories. You introduce characters in Gradil. And then you introduce characters again in Shatter Blue Magic. And then the second three stories build on the first three. And then there are three more that build on the first two. Am I saying that correctly? Yes, there are just sequels. It's really interesting. Who did you have in mind when you were writing this book? Who did you think would read it? Well, I was hoping that a young adult or adult audience would like it because it talks about young adults and adult people and that they have a certain responsibility to do it and as long as you follow your job, things work out. But also, I try to show that the dark side of things, like in the first chain, it's talking about uh, children and being kidnapped and being used for whatever because that's human trafficking that's being used right now. And also, the second story talks about 
young women being put to the adult industry. And it happens all the time, like Tracy Lords and other people very, really young. You know, it's almost like to... it's like your plots are just ripped out of the headlines, John. Yes. And if there's stories about children in Honolulu being used in sweatshops, because people get used to sweatshops all the time. They've been doing that since many years. Now, I think you have some parts from three of the stories that you want to share with the listeners. Is that right? Yes. Yes, I'll read the first Yes, I read the first page from the chain. It won't take me too long. We start our story in Juneau, Alaska, where a warehouse is being used on the outskirts of town to make weapons to be sold throughout the continent of North America. A tall Caucasian man sits with a clipboard for marking off tasks to be done by the kids working at the warehouse making the weapons. One child who is very exhausted from working three days without sleep and very little to eat says, Sir, please let me get some rest. This is too much for me. I'm working hard and I get no sleep. He then asked the tall man, please, can I rest now, sir? The tall man smiles and says, yes, my boy, you can get some sleep forever. The tall Caucasian man pulls out a forty-four handgun and shoots the boy in the head. The other kids are so shaken up they pee on themselves. Why did you kill them, they all asked the tall man. He answers, no questions, dumbasses. Just keep working or you all get the same. As this begins the story, we use travel now. In Washington, D.C., a Justice Department agent for the FBI, an American of African descent, whose name is Bergamot Reyes. He works in the child negligence department. He sits in a meeting with an FBI agent, man of European descent, who is an American named John Jefferson, who also works in the same department as Bergamot. And I'll also read a passage from uh, Gurdell. In Chicago, Illinois, in the Federal Bureau of Investigation, a young beige-colored Caucasian woman named Alyssa Bernays sits at her desk in the anti-terrorism department. Waiting her next case, her boss, David Fleming of the Anti-Terrorism Department, gives her a folder containing information on the recent anthrax and SARS attacks on politicians and CEOs of genetic research companies throughout the great Chicagoland area. She sees a couple of before and after pictures of CEOs and politicians hit with SARS and anthrax. The pictures make Alyssa very nauseous. Fleming says, Fleming says, I want you on this case immediately. Yes, I'll get on it, sir. Alyssa says, can have a vacation afterwards. I promise saying with a guarantee by Fleming. First, I have to finish my report on my last case, Mr. Fleming. Her report is on a militia terrorist group who adopted the name the War Junkies, who are spiking the water supply of the central and western states of the United States with liquid psychiatric drug Risperidol. Lots of people tasted the liquids, tasted the tap water, and two days later were getting the side effects from the drug, such as involuntary movements and their tongues sticking to the roots of their mouths, etc. Demands the war junks are not met, the entire country will get the same treatment. Wow. Wow. I think we, we've got everybody's attention. There's one more story of Shadow Blue Magic. I wrote this story about someone I knew who was the same. I was very young and went to high school two or three times. So I went to Archbishop Carroll in D.C., we start our story at the auditorium of Archbishop Carroll High School, where a young man named Dominic Barrow was graduating from high school. His father, Train Barrow, looks on as he smiles at his son's graduating high school. As he walks across the podium, he grabs his diploma, and the girls in his class say, Come on, Dommy, do it. He starts to do the windmill, breakdance move, and lastly, up rocks and pops until he gets back onto his feet. The girls then say, Yeah, but he does some cool ass shit. He walks off the stage and back to his seat. 
still dizzy. The last name is then called. So now it's time to toss the caps in the air after the moving the tassels of the graduating class. Also, then moves their tassels to the right of their caps and throws their caps and catches them. At the graduation, Train says to the barrel family, let's go out to eat. Oh, yeah, says Train Jr. His mother says, comes across the back of the head and says, Train Jr., watch your mouth. Yes, mother, he says, well, rubbing the back of his head. So each of the duo gets into separate cars and drive on the way to Chinatown. The Chinese restaurant, everyone sits down at a round table. A beautiful Asian lady of Chinese descent walks over and says, hello, my name is Janet Young. I'll be your waitress this evening. That's all the pages I'm going to write about. I think you've got everybody's attention, John, and they're probably saying to themselves, okay, where can I find a copy of this book? So let's tell them. Amazon. You can go to yes. Amazon. And let me give you the specific title of the book, and let me give you the specific name of our author. The title of the book is Chain, C-H-A-I-N, and Other Stories by John Omar Larnell Adams, A-D-A-M-S. All you have to do is put that in the search feature there on the Amazon first page. Click on it, and the book comes right up. In the upper right-hand corner of the representation of the cover, there are two words. And if you've never noticed this or you've never done this, it says, Look Inside. If you click on those two words, put your cursor on those two words and just click, the book electronically opens. And you can read an excerpt of some of the information and some of the stories that John just read to you. You can buy it right there on that page. Now, I know that because Amazon is such a huge retailer, there are lots of people who would prefer to buy their books from somewhere else, somewhere that's smaller or different. John, is there another source that they can get Chain and other stories from? Yes, you can go on Barnes & Noble and type in John Omar Larnell Adams in the search on Barnes & Noble. And on Google Play, you can go to the book section and type in John Omar Larnell Adams. And you'll see not just Chain and other stories, but you'll see the horror comedy stories of John Omar Larnell Adams and the collected poems of John Omar Larnell Adams. And also, if you go on to Author House, the site of the publisher, Type in John O'Malley and Alice. It'll, it'll give you a list of different authors, but you'll see Chain Other Stories and Horror Comedy Stories and Collected Poems as well. And you'll see it on Alibris and Books a Million and other sites such as um, international book sites. They'll have it. With, the only downside is you'll have it in their language. They'll say John O'Malley and Adams, so it can chain other stories and horror comedy stories and collected poems. But it'll just uh, show that my name and the books. So it depends on where you type on the internet as well. Because so if you type in my name, it'll show my face in a hockey jersey or a football jersey, and I have braids or a bald fade. And then they show other people, but that's. But if you look at the book, you see my picture, or you can see on the horror comic story, you see my other picture, and on cut the poem, you see what I look like. You always see me in braids, but right now I just have twists instead of braids. It's just, I do it because my family complains my hair is too long, so I just. Um, braided, twisted. Hey, you got to do what you got to do and what you want to do, right? Yes. You are a Renaissance man. I had no idea that you were also a poet. You write stories that are ripped from the headlines, and you also write poetry. That's that's pretty interesting and pretty amazing. 
or I write about personal experiences like I did in the horror comedy stories. That's it's so interesting because your your creative process is your your mind is so creative and you you're looking at things and you see different things. I always think that poet and poets and fiction writers have such a unique perspective of the world because you see different things than a lot of other people see and you you are putting it down in writing and I think that's wonderful. If uh, when our listeners become readers and they buy a copy of Chain and Other Stories or a copy of your poetry or one of your other books, but I'm particularly thinking about Chain and Other Stories. When they sit down and they read the stories and they read it all the way through and they're on that last page, they finish that last page and they close the back cover of the book either physically or electronically. John, what do you want them to leave with? Do you want them to feel like they've just read nine really great stories? Or is there something else that you want them to take away? I have a mix of two different things. I'm trying to entertain you and make you think that maybe things should be different for people because children should not be used in sweatshops and girls, young girls, their teenagers should not be used in the toilet entertainment industry or kids shouldn't be in sweatshops and maybe before you think about becoming a terrorist, maybe you should think about the consequences. And if you do do an illegal contract killing, you have to constantly watch yourself because you can also be killed. You never know. But because people can kill you for being a person in the leak secret, so you never know what will happen. It's just, it's just give yourself a legal caution and be aware. That's mainly what I want people to be and entertain as well. Well, you are such an interesting young man. It's such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so very much for being our guest today on Books on Air. Yes. Thank you very much, Mrs. Suzanne. Now remember, you can find Chain and Other Stories by John Omar Larnell Adams on Amazon, as well as his other books and his book of poetry. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast, brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also find this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I hope that you'll join me for the next Books on Air podcast, because remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.